Hi and welcome. Today we are at the ESMA World Congress on Gastrointestinal Cancer 2017. Earlier on today we spoke with Philip A. Philip, a Professor of Oncology and Pharmacology at the Karmanos Cancer Centre. In this interview you can find out about new agents and strategies for pancreatic cancer as well as some of Philip's favourite talks from ESMO GI this year. Could you introduce yourself and tell us what area of oncology you specialise in? Yes, yeah, so, uh, my name is uh, Philip A. Philip. I'm a professor of uh, oncology and pharmacology. I, I work at the Carmanus Cancer Center in Detroit, uh, USA, and I specialize in gastrointestinal and neuroendocrine uh, cancers, and I lead the program there. Okay, fantastic. So your talk focuses on new agents and strategies for pancreatic cancer. Could you give us a few examples of these agents and strategies? Well, at this point in time, there are a number of uh, drugs that are currently being actively investigated in this okay. disease. Um, one of them is um, is a, a drug which is called uh, pegylated PEG-PH20, which is a, 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 in fact, it's a like an enzyme which breaks okay. down Hyaluronan, which is a, a matrix protein in the pancreatic cancer, uh, and as you know, in pancreatic cancer, it's a very highly desmoplastic tumor. There's a lot of um, fibrosis, but also a lot of deposition of this uh, uh, compound, which is hyaluronan, which also works to uh, increase the interstitial pressure, reduces vascularity, and ultimately it reduces the delivery of the anti-cancer drugs to the cancer cells. And, uh, and contributes to drug resistance. Okay. So there is a drug nowadays which can be combined with chemotherapy to make the chemotherapy more effective, and that has been proven in preclinical animal work, and now it's being tested in humans. And um, recently in ASCO and also in this meeting, there were presentations showing that if you combine PEG-PH20 with the standard chemotherapy, gemcitabine, napacataxel, you see an improvement in the progression-free survival of the patients. It's a significant improvement, which is clinically worthwhile. And there's also a trend towards improving the survival. And this beneficial or positive effect is seen, uh, is limited to patients who have tumors that overexpress the hyaluronan, which would be, in this case, a, a diagnostic uh, uh, test that would be, hopefully, used to uh, select patients who may benefit from this treatment. This drug has now gone into a phase three trial, which is currently ongoing. Uh, it's a global trial. It's a combination with gemcitabine, uh, napacotaxel. It is uh, it is limited to patients who are selected on the basis of the tumor being overexpressing the hyaluronan. Okay. So it will be an interesting uh, study to watch for the results. Hopefully, yeah. within the next year or two. How many people roughly are involved in that trial? Um, I don't uh, know the number of people enrolled, but I know that the target uh, population that they're looking at is over 400 patients. Okay. Well, and it's, and it's growing well. Um, I mean, obviously, um, in these types of trials, you can screen patients. Not everyone can go on the study. Uh, as I mentioned, they have to be having tumors that are uh, staining positive for the uh, hyaluronan. And there's a, now a, a test that has been developed and it's a, a very robust test. So, okay. uh, so this will be probably the first uh, um, drug, if uh, successful, that is uh, associated with the use of a biomarker to select patients. Okay, fantastic. So that's one, one area which is of interest. The other area of interest is um, 
in patients who have um, defects in uh, tumors that have defects in, t in DNA repair. And the one which we talk about all the time is the BRCA1 and 2, uh, PALB2. These patients represent maybe 5 to 10% of the patients we see. And those patients, um, it appears that they benefit from uh, platinum compounds, maybe cisplatin more than oxaloplatin. And there's also these are patients who may benefit from PARP inhibitors. Okay. Uh, and there are several ongoing trials now looking into uh, platinum compounds and PARP inhibitors uh, in randomized fashion. And these are very important trials to also watch for. There's also work being done, um, and there was today a, an abstract of the plurality data, which is looking at um, a stem cell uh, targeting agent. So there's a drug called napabucasin, which is uh, a, a drug also known as BBI-608. It targets a STAT pathway, which can be um, sustaining cancer stem cells. And as you know, when we give chemotherapy and the patients fail, it's because of the cancer stem cells that we're not able to eradicate well. So this would be an interesting drug, and there is uh, some early data based on a um, uh, pilot study uh, that was presented this morning, which shows that the combination of the uh, napabucasin plus gemcitabine napagitaxel appears to have a, a, a interesting signal. And for that reason now, the company has taken the, the finding into a large randomized global phase three trial, which is currently occurring. Okay. So that's another area uh, which would be of interest. Yeah, sounds really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what advancements do you hope to see in the treatment options for pancreatic cancer in, say, the next five to ten years? That's a very good question. Uh, I think what the way we will, I, I see things would develop is that we will start to show that some agents have activity. Uh, I wouldn't expect the activities to be uh, as remarkable as what we've seen, for example, using uh, imatinib in uh, gastrointestinal stromal tumors or using an EGFR inhibitor in tyrosinkinase uh, inhibitor in uh, egfr mutated lung cancer. I think this type of uh, uh, genomic abnormality hasn't been really discovered so far in this disease. With only exception is patients who have microcytoline high which will be 1% of the patients, may benefit profoundly from uh, immunotherapy such as PD-1 or PDL one inhibitors. So my expectation is that we will start to see some agents that will show activity. Uh, it may be um, even a modest activity over what we have now. Okay. But I think the future is trying to bring those agents with activity and try to put them together in a more, more rational way. Mm. And, and that will happen uh, because we're also collecting um, more of the uh, tissues, of patients going on treatments. Okay. Uh, the tissue samples are being subjected to a number of molecular uh, profiling, and, uh, and that's becoming more and more sophisticated. And I think at the end, there will be a, uh, a look at, uh, at molecular profiling, uh, these new agents, and trying to make a sense of which combination will work more and hopefully which combination will look more for a patient, given patient, so trying to move those into more personalized treatments. So to summarize, I think it's a parallel effort of, uh, of, uh, of profiling patients uh, molecularly at the same time 
bringing in target agents to the uh, forefront, and and then trying to do the combination of the target agents, possibly with chemotherapy again, and at the same time being able to apply those treatments, not only rationally making combinations, but also maybe different combinations to different patients depending on their profile. Okay. So I think that's where the future will yeah. be moving to, but obviously uh, we're talking about years, not uh, months from now. Yeah, okay. Um, and then have there been any talks, presentations so far that have particularly caught your interest so far at the meeting? Yes, uh, so um, I, I think in general, generally speaking, um, not only pancreatic cancer, uh, so with respect to pancreatic cancer, the the, the presentations on pegylated peg pH 20 was interesting. Um, the, the, the presentation on Napa Bucassin was also interesting. Uh, I also have to say that there was another drug, which is a uh, interleukin-10 agonist, uh, which was presented the first day in the pancreatic session. That's also interesting, and that has also moved into a, a phase three trial, global phase three trial. So, uh, and then uh, with other uh, diseases and hepatocellular cancer, now we are also seeing the benefit of um, uh, of uh, liver-directed therapy, like with radioamylization relative to sorafenib in the front line, and okay. it's raising some possibilities how we approach patients and, and how do we do sequential therapy. So, all in all, we're seeing uh, incremental benefits, mm. improvements in the treatment of uh, of cancers. Um, still, we have somewhere to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, and is there anything else that you'd like to add, or? I think the key thing is that uh, we still have to do a lot of work and we can only be successful if we have uh, the ability to do clinical trials in a faster way so that we can bring drugs quicker to the clinic, which means that uh, patients have to be encouraged to always consider clinical trials uh, rather than having just a standard of care type of treatment. Uh, But keeping in mind that clinical trials are written such that not every patient will qualify anyway, but I think for the treating physician, it's very important for the treating physician to really uh, remind patients and be uh, proactive in trying to get patients to be uh, considered for clinical trials. That's something very important for them. Okay. That's the way we can uh, really uh, produce advances in, yeah. in this disease. Okay. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that podcast from Oncology Central. If you want to find more interviews with renowned experts in the field, please feel free to visit oncology-central.com, where you can also find news, opinion pieces, webinars and more. We'd love to know your thoughts on this interview, so please comment below or tweet us at Oncology Central. Thank you.